Welcome to the October 22nd, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast where we cover the biggest stories in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. You can count on us being here. This is your host Space Marine, live from space. Currently, Bitcoin's price is quite steady. It's at $6,400 on Bitstamp and Coinbase. Bit, Bitfinex continues to have that premium. It's at $6,575 and it's pretty steady. And it It's going down to like maybe $150, going up to $200. $175 is the average premium on Bitfinex right now. It was up to $1,000 and $500 premium like when the crisis first happened with their fiat deposits, but that seems to have normalized. But it seems like for now, there's like a six to 10 day lag on fiat deposits, maybe like 10 days. So maybe in like 10 days from now, it'll go back to normal or something, or maybe in a month, maybe. Or maybe it'll just stay at a premium because it's harder to get money into there. So as for the rest of the market, the total crypto market caps at $209.5 billion. It's crawled down slightly. There's some slight losses for Litecoin, Stellar, EOS, Ripple, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin moved down just a little bit. Ethereum went down too. Ethereum's at 205 pretty much. So it's a little above $200. And Monero, which we're gonna be talking about today, is at $105, and there's been really good news with Monero. I guess I'll just jump right into the first story. Oh yeah, Tether, we're gonna talk about Tether every day. So Tether's at 98 and a half cents. It doesn't seem like it's going back to parity that quick. It's been trying, to, it got up to like 99 cents at one point, and then it went down to 97 like yesterday, now it's at 98 and a half. So it's it's volatile, and stable coins should just absolutely not be volatile and set at $1, so it's taking some time for Tether to get its act together. It probably will. It has like a $2 billion market cap. It's still the most widely used stable coin. All right, so now jumping into our first story about Monero. So Monero has implemented bullet proofs. And just to get right to the point of this, there's something called range proofs. Uh, and the range proofs allows users to verify that a value is within a set range when you're sending a transaction without revealing the value. Because if there's a value overflow, it could like mess up the whole Monero program. And this is part of the way they balance transactions in a way that could be verified by anyone without revealing the info to anyone. However, range proofs scale linearly with the number of outputs and the number of bits in the range. And multiple outputs need multiple separate range proofs. And so most of the transaction within a Monero, uh, most of the space within a, within a Monero transaction is actually the range proofs like a huge amount of the space, like 90% of the space is the range proofs. So someone created bulletproofs and Monero has finally implemented it. And the bulletproofs, uh, they, the size of the bulletproof increases logarithmically with the size of the range and the number of outputs. So instead of going up linearly, it kind of like goes up a little bit and then kind of steadies out and becomes stable. So you can add a lot of, like it takes a lot less data. So just to get to the point, a transaction sent with range proofs like Monero used to have would be 13.2 kilobytes, and the same transaction sent with bulletproofs is 2.5 kilobytes. So that's a theoretical reduction of 80% in the space of a transaction, which would be a uh, correlate directly to an 80% reduction in transaction fees. So they've implemented this, and the transaction fees actually reduced from about 50 to 70 cents. They were 50 to 70 cents on average, a transaction fee for, for Monero when they had range proofs up until now. And now it's gone down to two cents. So there's been like over a 95% decrease in Monero transaction fees. They're quite near zero. It's like a couple of pennies to send Monero now. So that's a big difference. That's good for the entire network. It helps its use as a currency. This means Monero might be useful for micropayments now. Before sending a dollar of Monero didn't make sense. Now people could easily send a dollar of Monero or even like 50 cents or 25 cents with Monero. It makes it a lot better for micropayments. Like anything down to about 10 cents would be like feasible with Monero now. Whereas before it wouldn't make sense. 
Likewise, the block sizes for Monero have decreased from 100 kilobytes to 15 kilobytes on average with bulletproofs. And this is actually really important that Monero is doing this because in December 2017, when there was the peak of Monero's transaction volume so far, the fees spiked to $20 per transaction. So now with bulletproofs, if the levels go up to December 2017 levels, it won't go to $20. It'll probably just be like 10 cents or something for a transaction. And when Monero's transaction fee went to $20 in December 2017, that hurt the entire network. It makes it not usable as a currency. So this scalability solution of bulletproofs is really important for the future of Monero. And they're going to improve it even more. There's something called multiple output bulletproofs. Right now they're just using single output bulletproofs. So multiple output bulletproofs put all the outputs into one bulletproof. So that could save a lot more space, but they got to change the fee structure because there's this sort of attack that someone could do because since it increases logarithmically, someone could put like an, almost an infinite amount of transactions or outputs into a transaction and pay a very low fee for it and kind of like do a denial of service attack on the network. If a hacker wanted to attack Monero, they would just pack a ton of transactions and it would be a very low fee. So that's good for scalability, but then someone could exploit it. So they got to change the fee structure to actually make the fees go higher if someone's packing a ton of transactions in. Because now, as far as size goes, there's the size is going to be small for each transaction. But it's still computationally expensive if there's tons of output. So the amount of work that the miners are doing, it's going to take them time to go through a transaction with tons of outputs. Even with bulletproofs, if it's a small size of data, it's still going to take a long time. And then we could be stuck with a lot of transactions in the mempool and full blocks and transaction fees actually rising probably, I think. If, like, one attacker just decides to do this for a period of time before the transaction fees rise, they can cause it to rise, I think. I'm just kind of speculating. So, yeah, they're going to come out with multiple output bulletproofs eventually once they figure that out. But for now, there's been, like, a 95% reduction in Monero fees. And Monero is the number one privacy coin with a market cap of $1.7 billion. Kind of surprisingly, Monero has not gone up from this news. But the whole market's kind of, like, slightly going down right now. So maybe when the market gets excited again, Monero is going to go up a lot more than other coins. Now for our next story. So blockchain mergers and acquisitions, which is called M&A. We're just going to call it mergers and acquisitions on this show right now. They have surged 800% since 2016. So JMP Securities did a study on this. There was 11 mergers and acquisitions in the blockchain space in 2014, 23 in 2015, 16 in 2016, 47 in 2017. So 2017, when that big rally happened... More mergers and acquisitions started happening, but nothing like 2018. There's been 115 in 2018 so far, and if this is extrapolated, there's going to be 145 by the end of the year, mergers and acquisitions in the blockchain field. And this is despite the crypto market downturn. So some people are like, oh, why is it going up 800% when the market's going down? Well, this is actually the best time to buy, because basically the blockchain and crypto firms are intimately tied to the crypto price, because a lot of these firms have their own cryptocurrency, and their cryptocurrency gives them a lot of their valuation, and then their cryptocurrency went down more than it should have. So these companies, like a lot of blockchain and crypto companies are undervalued right now. So people are acquiring them and merging with them for low rates compared to what it would be if the market was at its highs. So this is why it's happening like this. So why do people want to do mergers and acquisitions with blockchain companies in the first place? Well, it takes a long time to build a blockchain platform. A long time. From scratch, it would take really long. And people that want to make money... They need to just like buy a company that already has the technology for blockchain ready to go. And so they get the product immediately. They have to pay a high price, but they get the product immediately and they can start making money with it immediately. Additionally, blockchain and crypto firms come with a community, a user base and a community. And it takes a really long time to build up a user base and community. Like we're talking years to really build one up. 
And with a merger or acquisition, a company could just buy that user base. They could buy that technology. And then here's the third thing they get. So blockchain engineers and crypto experts are really rare. And I read, especially blockchain engineers that are good at business. That's really, really rare. But a lot of these blockchain and crypto firms that are established have these uh, skilled blockchain and crypto people that can do business and code. And they're very hard to find. The first degree program for blockchain and crypto was announced by New York University in September 2018. So that means no one has ever graduated from college with such a degree. So you can't just go to a college and find these people. It's not possible. You could find coders, but they won't know how to use blockchain. You've got to train them how to do it if they're not already doing it. So when someone does a merger or acquisition, they also get the blockchain engineers and crypto experts that they really need. And these are the most precious and rare asset. For example, Coinbase acquired Earn.com, which is a way to like earn money by replying to emails. And the founder of Earn.com ended up becoming Coinbase's chief technical officer. So even a huge company like Coinbase can benefit from getting like employees that really know blockchain and crypto because they're hard to find. Even Coinbase has a hard time finding them. They had to acquire a company to find the right one for them. So just to go over it, merchants and acquisitions are up 800% since 2016. This is because these blockchain companies are undervalued due to the market downturn. And they're doing this because they get a user base and community, they get the technology, and they get the employees that know what they're doing with blockchain and crypto all at once. It costs a high price to begin with, but that's the way to launch a blockchain and crypto company without building it from scratch. Now for our next story. So security token offerings, STOs, could replace initial coin offerings, ICOs, in the United States. So initial coin offerings were like the most popular way to crowdfund money, crowdfund money uh, using crypto. And basically what someone does is they have a blockchain company, they have an idea, they're like, okay, this company's going to do this, but we have this currency, we're going to sell it to people to invest. So what they're trying to do is raise money for their company so their companies can succeed, because it takes money to make a company work, even in blockchain and crypto. There's some very rare cases like Bitcoin where no money was needed to make it go. Just because it was such a good idea, people were willing to jump into it and work for it, for Bitcoin. But nowadays, there's plenty of already good ideas that are already established and working. So to launch even a good new idea, it takes money to hire the developers to do the marketing. So people will do an initial coin offering, raise money by selling a token. This token is valueless, but then investors buy it, speculate upon it. And then once the platform gets established, the token gains some value. However, initial coin offerings have been like pretty much banned in the United States. The Securities and Exchange Commission declared ICOs to be securities, and ICOs therefore have to go through the SEC to get approved, and I don't think they've approved any of them yet. There's been no ICOs approved by the SEC as far as I know. However, there's something called a security token offering, and this could be the future. So with an ICO, an investor doesn't get any guarantees. They don't get equity, they don't get dividends, they don't even get voting rights. They just get a coin that could gain value, but it doesn't necessarily have to gain value. ICOs often say this coin's gonna have this value and go up to this value, and that's actually kind of illegal. So that's one of the reasons they were banned. But security token offerings actually They are a cryptocurrency. They're a token, a cryptocurrency. But each token represents a certain amount of equity in a company or a certain amount of dividends that will be paid out long-term from the company in exchange for the investment. This is how it's worked in the economy forever before ICOs. ICOs were a totally new, wild thing. Security token offers is kind of bringing it back to the regulatory framework for securities because the SEC is saying ICOs are securities, so now security token offerings are like tailor-made to be like really a security. They're like equity or a dividend. And they also could give you voting rights in the company, just like a share. It's like a stock share. So basically, it's like a stock share that's represented with cryptocurrency. And they have a much higher chance of being approved. By the way, ICOs raised $5.6 billion in 2017, and then that's when the crackdown happened after that. 
and they're not really launching where there's some that are brave enough to launch but they're getting cracked down on like each one so this is a huge industry with a huge thirst and tremendous amounts of investors that are willing to put money in it so it's good that security token offerings are coming around now because there's a lot of money to be tapped into a lot of potential a lot of new companies that could form and stos are the way to go so there's this platform polymath that came up with the idea for stos and they created a platform that guides people through the process to make a legal sto and there's complex legal and technological steps to successfully launch a legal sto and this includes know your customer and anti-money laundering requirements before icos were really just like a guy like okay i have this idea I launched this coin because it's really easy to make a coin if like ERC20 on Ethereum, you could just like, or even Burst, or we just talked about Burst. You can make coins on many different platforms, just click a button, pay like five or ten dollars, boom, you have a cryptocurrency, and then you sell it to people. That doesn't follow know your customer anti-money laundering requirements. Like you could be selling God forbid to a terrorist or a criminal or something. So like with STOs, you gotta like collect customer information, you gotta sell it like you're selling stocks, you gotta have guarantees of dividends, equity, and voting. And so they're a lot more likely to be approved than they are getting approved. There are STOs launching. I don't have the specifics, but I've seen multiple things about STOs, and I know they're an active thing going on. So basically, STOs have the potential to replace ICOs in the United States because ICOs are effectively banned, and STOs are made to be like a securities product like it should be so that it actually gets approved by the SEC. Because the SEC was concerned that ICOs were causing fraud, scamming, people losing money. It's true. A lot of ICOs succeeded, but a lot were also just kind of scammers or not even scammers. People that just couldn't fulfill their promises. And that causes lawsuits and hardship and loss of money. STOs are like, from the beginning, they're designed to be proper, to make sure they have the proper framework and plan to succeed. And that's the way it kind of should be, honestly. Now for our next story. We'll just talk about the SEC again. So the SEC's launched FinHub. And this is supposed to monitor blockchain innovation, and it offers advice. So this is kind of like, the Congress actually sent a letter to the SEC. I think we talked about it on the show. The Congress is saying, hey, this crackdown is getting really bad in the United States on blockchain and crypto companies. SEC, please like clarify your rules. Find better ways of communicating with people. And also improve the rules so like people could do business. Because right now, blockchain and crypto is like fleeing the United States. People are in exile. They're just leaving the country because they... You know, they could just leave the country, go to Malta or whatever, blockchain island, and launch their company there and be safe. Because in the United States, you can launch a perfectly legitimate blockchain or crypto company and still lose all your money from getting a lawsuit from the SEC. So the Congress asked them to fix it. I guess part of that, that was like a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I think. So now they're launching FinHub, and people could go to FinHub and talk to FinHub and, like, ask to launch an ICO or an STO and get advice and FinHub's going to have a bunch of information on, like, what's the laws. Because, like, a lot of people don't even understand the laws, which is why they're breaking the laws. So that's, uh, I guess that's good news. Now, for our next story. Not so surprising. Brian Kelly, who's the CNBC Bitcoin guy, like, they started talking about Bitcoin when it finally rallied, like, to 10,000. Then they finally started talking about it. And Brian Kelly's been their Bitcoin guy. He says crypto's going to rally in 2019. Uh due to institutional investment, and we've heard this story over and over. I'm not going to call it a broken record, because it's like a factual thing. So basically, institutional investors, they have like trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, like tens or hundreds of trillions of dollars. The Bitcoin market caps like $100 billion, maybe like $110 billion right now. So once institutional investors jump in, the market's going to rally a lot. And Brian Kelly is saying this is going to happen in 2019. A lot of other experts are agreeing with him. 
And we've already seen the infrastructure take place. Like now there's cryptocurrency custodians for institutional investors. So institutional investors will have insurance and know that the crypto is definitely safe. There's also lots of crypto hedge funds. Hundreds of crypto hedge funds have been launching recently. So now there's like places where people can go talk to a real expert that's an expert in both finance and blockchain and crypto and invest. And then they could hold their money for custodian. And there's also products launching like a, the Backed Exchange, which is going to launch in November. I'm really excited about that. They're going to offer physical Bitcoin features that settle the same day. And that's going to drive a lot of institutional investment. Basic institutional investors can just buy the physical Bitcoin futures on stock trading platforms. And they'll receive Bitcoin in their wallets, like real Bitcoins within 24 hours. Because they're physical futures that settle in only one day. So, yeah, I agree with him. 2019, we'll probably see a pretty big rally. It might take a little time. Usually these bear markets last for some time. But I think eventually it will happen. That's all we have for you today on this October 22nd, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode. Go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto analysis. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out.